Hey everybody, welcome back. It's the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am B-Don, joined by the fantasy master Lothario, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Gray Albright. How you doing over there, Gray? Hey, what's going on, B-Don? Only a, uh, a month left until we are B-Don. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Did I just do that? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all right. I, uh, Feeling good, feeling happy uh, with the news. The news you want to you want to tell our uh, our listeners slash viewers uh, the news that uh, it just broke. Uh, yeah, I think overnight. Absolutely, and that is that minor li- minor leaguers have been sent a card to vote on designating somebody for the MLBPA as a collective bargaining representative. So they're actually going to finally get a say when the CBA gets discussed. Uh, They didn't do it before this CBA, which would have been nice. But they are finally going to get a voice at the table, Gray. I mean, how do we feel about this? Is there there something that's going to happen to our game because of this? Are we going to get a little bit more minor league representation from, you know, just in the game itself, kind of get rid of some of these ridiculous service time rules? Yeah, I mean... You know, I don't know because the uh, the guy, the major leaguers are going to obviously they're going to have the uh, the big the big say in uh, in what happens. They're going to be they're going to be the ones that are gonna, they're not going to be like, hey, let's turn to the quad A guy and see what he thinks necessarily. <laughs> but I mean, I do think this is a big W though for minor leaguers in general because like now they're. Now they're at least at the table. Before they had nothing. They they literally had no no like uh, say in anything. Like they were just like second class citizens, and they were treated however you know the major league owners wanted to treat them. Which you know billionaires don't want to give other people money. <laughs> that's a that's a little life lesson for you uh, on the Rasball podcast. So yeah, I mean I think this is just. I mean, it's going to be good. It's obviously, I, I think it's like, I mean, I want to say this is like huge news that a lot of people aren't going to, uh, I don't think a lot of people really care about it in, uh, you know, the uh, mass, the, the, the masses, I don't know if the masses care, to be honest, but I think this is sneaky, really profound and good news. I think this is really like major Major, there's going to be major changes that I don't even know if we could necessarily quantify right now as, uh, you know, as this news breaks. I'm not sure there's there's definite like, you know, in like next year, like the uh, the minor leaguers are going to like the the owners are going to fold like a single A and the minor league are going to get, uh, you know, minor leaguers are going to get called up quicker i don't know yet like i don't think anyone does i don't think we know exactly how this is going to play out but i do think it's going to change things i think it i think it could potentially change things in a major way especially for like you know service time and whether or not like you know minor leaguers uh like how you know not necessarily even when they're called up but how they're treated in the minors could have like profound differences and what we see in a lot in a lot of ways that I just I don't know if we know yet, but I think it's good. I think it's uh, honestly, I think, uh, you know, it's definitely good. 
I don't know. I don't know necessarily yet how good it is, but it feels really good. Like it feels like a major <laughs> victory for minor leaguers and also for the game because you know, like if if owners are no longer you know benefited by uh, keeping guys down in the minors, it makes the major leagues better. It makes you know it. And no longer do you have situations where like. David Peralta is like 35 years old and just finally getting a contract, <laughs> you know, like you'll have guys like when they're like 21 and 22, like maybe this, like uh, what we're seeing with the Braves will happen across multiple teams and not just the Braves. Maybe it'll happen, you know, for all teams. It's it's really hard for me to say exactly what is going to change, but I do think it's going to change. I think people I don't even think people are going to realize how much this is going to change for fantasy uh specifically for the majors and for baseball, but also for fantasy because you're going to have guys that are going to be called up sooner and you're going to have um you're you're just going to have it's going to be different for for young prospects. No longer you know, will you have like a situation where they have no say in whether or not, you know, they're abused? <laughs> so it's yeah. so it's good. Like no matter what happens with fantasy or baseball, it's going to be good for minor leaguers. So that's good. Yeah, I do wonder, you know, how much of a say they have until we get to the next CBA, because there's minor things they adjust year to year. But for big changes like we're looking for. I don't know if that's going to happen before we get to the expiration of this current CBA, but they may also get, you know, once they get a seat at the table, maybe they get a few seats at the table and then maybe they actually have a bigger say. I mean, Chris Bryant can probably be the representative since he's not doing anything else uh, anymore. He can, he can represent the minor leaguers. He has a, he has a bone to pick with the, with the major league baseball and, uh, and how the system uh, worked for him. If really. only, uh, if only Chris Bryant took those two weeks when his service time was suppressed and and worked on strengthening uh, the bottom of his foot, so he wouldn't get plantar fasciitis. <laughs> it's too bad. It's too bad he didn't use that time more productively. I uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, you you bring up Chris Bryant, and we can we're gonna go into uh, September call-ups. But is Chris Bryant even drafted in the top 200 next year? Like, honestly, like, do you draft him at all? Like, I know this is uh, a sidetrack from where we're supposed to be going with this outline, but do you draft Chris Bryant? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's still going to go top 200 just because of where he is and who he is. Like, he's in Colorado still. Like, he was so bad, bro. You're just counting on him to be healthy. Like he he's been hurt all season, and somebody's gonna take him. I mean, I'm probably gonna take him if he goes to 200. He so he, I mean, so bad, like incredibly bad. That I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm drafting him in the top 200. Uh, anyway, it's good. It's good news for minor leaguers. It's good. I think it's good. It's gonna be good news for fantasy baseball in general. In uh, you know, maybe not immediately, but eventually. I think it's going to be it's going to be good news for everything. It's going to be good news for the sport. It'll be good news. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think eventually we will get to a place where it is it is beneficial for the sport and definitely the minor leaguers. And maybe one of the things they can address in the meantime is is how like relievers are used, where they're 
obviously the best pitcher in the bullpen and not getting saves uh, purposely to, to deflate service time. Maybe they can devalue the save or something in in, in arbitration talks. Something something that'll matter, but uh, maybe not as much as, as we can get done in the, C, the actual CBA negotiations. But yeah, so let's go ahead and move over to some call-ups. We're not quite into September, but, but we're starting to get there. We're starting to see the players come up. Uh, Corbin Carroll is supposed to be up today as we're recording this on Monday. Called up by the Diamondbacks at A this year. 58 games, 16 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 62 runs, 39 RBIs. He hit 313, 430, 643, AAA, 33 games, 7 home runs, 11 stolen bases. Uh, I mean, this in the Prospectinator, for everybody that's, that's listening that doesn't know what that is, it's a 150-game projection from Rudy. That's 2320, 251, 336, 455. I mean, he's the one or two prospect in the game right now. Pretty much spend all your fab that you have left, right, Gray? Yeah, no, completely. Unfortunately, I don't have any fab left. Oh, spent <laughs> it. Same. Oh, spent it a little too early. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think uh, in the uh, prospectinator, he is uh, right now. Currently, he is the number one prospect according to Rudy's projections. Uh, on, I believe, on Itch's stash list, he was number one. For the number one guy to uh, to stash, he's the number one. I believe he's the number one guy on his top one hundred. Like CC the Bathia, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I did that too. What? What? Ooh, ooh. Um, yeah, I think he's like the guy. No matter who gets called up from, like uh, you know, from the time that uh, you know we record this. To the end of the year, I think Corbin Carroll is the guy. Like he is, he's going to be the the top call up. There's no one coming up that's going to be better than him. Some guys, now as we said uh, previously, and I've said many times before that you know there's going to be guys who could get called up who could potentially be better than Corbin Carroll for a month because you know you never know. Like it's going to be a sample size of a month for you know Corbin Carroll or if like you know. Josh Jung gets called up like Josh Jung could be better than Corbin Carroll, even though in reality, Corbin Carroll should be better uh, long term. Like Corbin Carroll is like he's the real deal. Like, that's it. It's going to be like Corbin Carroll is probably going to be my top rookie, I would say, going into next year. Like he's going to be the guy like when I uh, when I do my rookie outlook posts uh, during the month of. October, November, he's going to, I believe he's going to be the number one guy. I, I, you know, don't hold me to it, but he's probably going to be like the number one pick to uh, win the rookie of the year uh, in the NL next year. Like, uh, you know, like people were picking Bobby Witt Jr. or Julio Rodriguez this year. I think Corbin Carroll is going to be that guy next year. Like he's going to be, and now that we've seen him get called up, to start uh, the month of September, he's definitely starting the year. Like his his uh, ADP for next year has gone up probably, you know, uh, at least three or four rounds in a uh, a fifteen team mixed league. Like in a draft champions, Corbin Carroll is now, I would say, probably a top seventy five overall pick. Like 
a Bobby Witt last year or a Julio Rodriguez at the end of, you know, in the last couple of days when the Mariners, you know, surprised everyone and said Julio Rodriguez is going to start the year with them. So Corbin Carroll is the uh, is that guy like he is going to be probably 50 to 75 overall next year. He's going to be a 20, 20 plus homer, 20 plus uh, steal good contact like everything you could want like Corbin Carroll is that like he's actually I would say he's probably better than Bobby Witt Jr. uh you know all things you know if all things are uh are even like I'd say Corbin Carroll over Bobby Witt Jr. um you know not not next year because Bobby Witt Jr.'s had a whole year under his belt so Bobby Witt Jr. will still be ranked above Corbin Carroll but Long-term wise, I think Corbin Carroll is that guy. Like, he could be better than Bobby Wood Jr. Is he going to be better than Julio Rodriguez? Well, I don't know about that. I'm not, I'm not willing to go there yet. I think Julio Rodriguez is another, is another level. I think Julio Rodriguez, then Bobby Wood Jr., then Corbin Carroll. Uh, if we're just talking about three guys in the major leagues. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why we're talking about only three guys. I guess I'm the one who's talking <laughs> about only three guys, but Corbin Carroll is, I mean, he is the guy, like if he's available in any league, I picked him up in our RCL league, uh, a league that I've been out of it since like April, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but, thanks, I'm still, <laughs> but I am still competing, but anyway, not to go back down that rabbit hole, but Corbin Carroll is the guy like absolutely spend all your fab, pick him up in every league. Like he should be rostered everywhere. Um, yeah. So anyway, your thoughts. No, I'm pretty much in the same exact view as you are i mean he's the number one prospect he's the number one guy that's going to come up the rest of the season so if you have fab left unlike gray and myself use it and yeah i mean you and i are battling for uh you know the the very <laughs> prestigious sixth seed in the uh perks league so only, i mean we gotta only, we gotta uh, battle it out to the end there's only uh seven teams playing <laughs> Believe me, at least five teams have abandoned the league. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing good. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where we come in sixth or seventh out of six or seven teams. <laughs> yeah, so Corbin Carroll is the guy next year as well. I agree on that front. Um, I, I'm he's going to go inside the top 100 in pretty much every draft. So if you got him before that. In some drafts you're doing before, you know, the season wrapped up here. Congratulations. But that has now come to a close. And I'm sure, uh, you know, he's the odds-on favorite to win Rookie of the Year for next you year. Think I'm, uh, you agree that he's probably going to go around where Bobby Witt went this year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think him and Bobby Witt, I think they're very similar in, their, in what they can bring. I think Witt has a little bit more power. Uh, Carroll has a little bit more speed. So I think that's pretty much the only difference between the two. Uh, Carroll does walk a little bit more. So his eye might be a little bit uh, more refined than Bobby Witt. So he might adjust a little bit faster than Witt did because it took Bobby Witt a little bit to kind of just hit his stride like he has now. I do think, I think, Uh, but that's pretty much the only difference. Yeah, no, I agree. I think also Arizona is a, a slightly better park. I'm, uh, I'm not sure with the humidor. Honestly, I, I'm I'm guessing it's a. It, it always it was a better park. Obviously, for a long time, for many years, it was a much better park. But with the humidor, 
it might be slightly less good, but still, I still think it's better than Kaufman. So anyway, I, I don't have it open in front of me, but I'm, I'm guessing. I no, I, I believe that's right. I believe Arizona is slightly lower than mid and Kaufman is still near the bottom because Kaufman's always near the bottom. It's just a terrible right. park for hitters. Um, and as, as bad as it is, I think the Arizona lineup is actually stronger than the Kansas City lineup if we're just looking at the runs and RBI as uh, category for I the don't team. know if I necessarily agree with that because you have, uh, like, Kansas City's got those two catchers that are really good. They got, hey, they got Vinny Pascadino, <laughs> ah, hey, from Staten Island. Hey, what's going on, Vinny? Um, they also have... Uh, I don't know. I mean, the Royals aren't. The Royals have gotten better, uh, and the Diamondbacks are pretty bad. But maybe, they are yeah. Bad. But maybe you might be right. I don't know. Honestly, I don't have it open in front of me either. But I, I would say, I would say probably the Royals are slightly better offense, but not enough. Not enough of a quibble to argue it over. <laughs> yeah, and we'll see what happens in the off season True. as well to adjust yeah, that. So yeah, we'll, we'll just. Block Who that knows? Next maybe season. the uh, maybe the Rangers' great aunt will pass away this offseason and surprise everyone and leave five hundred million to the Arizona Diamondbacks and they'll be like, "Wow, <laughs> we just inherited all the Rangers' money. Now we can spend money on stupidness." <laughs> <laughs> me. Oh man! All right. So hopefully, you know, Carroll should. I mean, in all in all theory, Carroll should slot in at the top of the lineup. There's there's while I said Arizona, I think has the better overall lineup. I, I don't think there's anybody that needs to bat over him. Like one through nine, there's not a player that needs to bat over Carroll at this point. Let's move on to our next guy, which is Garrett Mitchell. I believe he got called up pretty much as we were finishing the last podcast, maybe. But he's called up by the Brewers in Double A this year. He has 44 games, four home runs, seven stolen bases. He hit 277, 353, 428. In AAA, in 20 games, he had a home run, nine stolen bases, 342, 435, 466. Small sample in his AAA, but the K rate did decline about 6% going from AA to AAA, which is always great to see. The prospectinator has him for 327, 13, 13 over 150 games. Uh, I don't know if that average is right. I'll have to check that. I might have I might have just fat thumbed that the one. Prospectinator um, but, has him for a two thirty seven average. Okay, two thirty seven. So I have those those two front numbers backwards. Um but thirteen thirteen over over hundred fifty games. What do you think about Garrett Mitchell here? And obviously below Carroll, but how much below I don't him? think you know what? I would say the prospectinator saying thirteen thirteen. That's batshit crazy. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way he's a thirteen thirteen guy. Like if anything, he's a three twenty guy. Three homers, twenty steals. Like he's not. He's not a thirteen thirteen guy. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, for the most part, I do agree with uh, Rudy's projection. So, but uh, but I will say in that instance, that feels a little weird. Uh, anyway, so his uh, his speed is great. I mean, he does seem to have. Good power, just untapped, which, you know, I don't know. I don't know when that'll get tapped. Um, I would say hopefully soon, and especially with the Brewers, they'd be tapping, you know what I'm saying? Beer, you know? No, okay. 
Um, yeah, I think Garrett Miller is Mitchell is probably Garrett Miller would be really appropriate <laughs> in, in in Milwaukee. <laughs> um, Garrett Mitchell is probably a platoon guy. I don't know. I mean, in NL only, uh, I'm in in NL only though. Um, in a 15 team mixed league. For steals, sure. I could see that as well. Um, like, probably 15-team mixed league, though, I'd probably want daily because a weekly league with a platoon guy is, you know, I mean, it's not so great. For um, people in NL-only leagues, to give you an idea, in my NL-only league, for out of $1,000, uh, Steve Gardner of the of USA Today got him for twenty six dollars, which I think is actually a pretty good price for a twelve team uh, twelve team NL only. That's not bad. That's uh, so in a, a hundred dollar thing, that's roughly three bucks. Yeah, I mean I can see that. I I honestly I I believe I bid on him in my NL only keeper. Uh, I want to say I did. Yeah, I like him for NL only because you know steals are steals. Uh, Sagnoff, and if he's gonna if he's gonna play at all, he could potentially get ten steals in the month of September. So that's good for a uh, a daily league. Fine if you need steals, I could see picking him up in any league if you need steals and you're able to platoon him in and out of the lineup in a weekly league. I don't know, man. I I didn't bid on him in any weekly uh like a uh say like a main event or um tgfbi or any any main any weekly 15 team league i didn't bid on him i don't i don't think he's really gonna be like because of the weekly thing it's really hard to uh it's really hard to play a guy like that um for what it's worth he did go let's see he went for uh no, he actually no one even bid on him. So people were in the same people were in the same boat as me. No one bid on him in my uh my fifteen team mixed leagues uh weekly. Um so yeah, I don't know. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean he's slotting in right now at the bottom of the lineup for the Brewers, so that makes it hard to really in any league to roster him, just the fact that he's not going to come up to play it that often, the fact that he's not going to have the run in RBI opportunities hitting at the bottom of the order, and the fact that you're right, he probably is going to platoon. He's on the strong side of the platoon. He is a lefty bat, so at least he has that going for him. But it's a guy that's going to be, you know, a primarily speed-only guy, so it's it's going to be needs-based on whether how much you need that speed and what kind of options are available in your league for speed. So the uh, so for speed, I didn't need speed uh, in one 15 team mix league uh, weekly, and I didn't bid on Mitchell as previously said, but I did bid on Jose uh, Siri. So that gives you an idea of where I guess like you know Jose Siri, I put in a dollar bid on him. I mean it wasn't a dollar out of a thousand, so it's not like I you know I bid huge on him, but that's kind of where my head is at like Jose Siri over Garrett Mitchell and most people in most people's leagues, Jose Siri is available too. So it's like, Meh. yeah. So there's, it's, it's kind of a streaming situation when he's in there and you can just kind of play the matchups with him. Not necessarily a need to roster unless you are in an NL only 
or or like you said, a deep 15-teamer or a 15-teamer where you need steals, then obviously take the chance on him. Moving on to the next guy, and that is Drew Water. He has been with the Braves and the Royals this year. With the Braves, he had 49 games. He had five home runs, five stolen bases. He had 246, 305, 393. Since moving to the Royals in 31 games, he's already has more home, two more home runs, eight more stolen bases. He's hitting 295, 399, 541. Prospecting in there currently has him for 13, 16, 239, 302, 384. And he's he said that the Royals switch has made a difference for him, that the coaches helped him kind of get back on track here. Are you buying the revamped Drew Waters? Mm, not really. <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know what? I mean, sure. If he says the Royals have helped him and, you know, he actually looks better than, yeah, I mean, I buy it to a certain extent. I just don't know if he's really like, you know, like we said earlier, Kaufman's not great. Uh, the Royals are kind of iffy. Uh, he's going to be at the bottom of the Royals lineup, if anywhere. He probably does play every day or at least like five of six games. Maybe, you know, uh, Isbell or someone or, or Rooker uh, gets the occasional at bat. But, yeah, I mean, he plays enough. So, AL only, I like him a lot. Uh, 15 uh, team mixed league, nah, I don't know. I'm not really. I mean, I'd like to see something from him before actually going in. Like, he feels like a guy who could become like a hot potato and, you know, someone who I would absolutely pick up if he got hot. But as it is right now, eh, I mean, not really, to be honest. I, I've, I have, uh, you know, I have guys like, uh, once again, like I said, Jose Siri was more interesting and more interesting to me than Drew Waters. Um, I was, you know, I was definitely on the, um, outside of the narrative with the Drew Waters, uh, his suddenly better, where some people, some people are buying into it more than I am. And, you know, like in my leagues, I didn't bid on Drew Waters, but Drew Waters did go for $20 out of a thousand. So, you know, some, and that was like the, the third, you know, like the second highest bid this week. So some people are in on Drew Waters. There's definitely, there's people who are, who are buying in. I didn't really buy in. I don't know. I mean, like I said, if he gets hot, then sure. But, you know, just to just to do a flyer on a guy, like, nah, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I like. I think I like Waters more than general consensus. But at the same time, he's hitting at the bottom of the Royals lineup. Again, not the greatest of places to be. He is a switch hitter, so there's no reason he can't just play the rest of the way out. And let the you know see the Royals have something here, and if he is kind of fixed, or if this was just a a small sample size blip, and you know we're just going to resume kind of the the regularly scheduled Drew Waters. I, I don't know. I mean, it is a guy that uh, was a top prospect. We think, at least I think, there's some possibility here, but I do think it's 15 team and deeper that we're looking here because again, he's sitting at the bottom of the lineup. So even if he does do well until he gets moved up. There's really not a whole lot to be added other than, you know, uh, maybe he goes like three and three the rest of the way, which is, you know, fine. 
Um, but I like he's he's more of a compiler, I think, that can go power speed rather than somebody who's going to put up big power speed numbers in a short amount of time. Right. Agreed. All right. Moving over to the pitching side, Cade Cavalli got the call up in AAA this year. 20 starts. He went six and four. 371 ERA, 118 whip, 26% K rate, 9.7% walk rate's a little bit high. The prospectinator has him down for 150 innings over 30 starts, a 438 ERA, 139 whip, an 8.2 K per nine, and a 4 walk per nine. So pretty much in line with kind of what you would expect from somebody making that transition from AAA up, given what uh, Kate has as his numbers so far. Are you higher or lower than on Cade uh, as we're looking at him than the prospectinator here? Uh, no, I'm probably as low as the prospectinator. Uh, I don't, you know, it, like rookie pitchers are so iffy to begin with. I, you know, especially right now with like in the beginning of the year, it's one thing to like take a flyer on a rookie pitcher because you have like the whole year to see what happens and maybe you like, uh, I don't know, uh, luck into like a, a Spencer Strider or something. But like right now you're going to get Cade Cavalli or like a street or like Jake Odorizzi in a good matchup. Like I'm taking Jake, I'm taking Jake Odorizzi in a good matchup than the random, you know, than the rookie pitcher for the nationals. Like, you know, it's going to be, he's going to be hard up for wins. He's going to not – they're probably not going to pitch him even that much. Like, he went – would he go four and a third in his first start? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's probably – he might have good Ks in a, a small sample size kind of way. Like, you know, in four to four four plus innings to five plus innings, maybe he gets seven Ks in a start. And, you know, I, I, I'm not in. Like, right – not for this season. We'll see – We'll see how he looks for next year. I don't even know if I'm going to be in next year, to be honest, because like you said, his command is so bad. I I tend to shy away from guys with really bad command, especially young young pitchers. Like young pitchers are like bad command. You're just basically asking for a roofie. It's gonna get it's gonna get ugly. Like if you want a uh, a guy who had bad command who got ugly, like look at Hunter Green, you know, like he had moments where he was like unhittable for starts, but other times it was like you, you didn't want him anywhere near your team. So, yeah, I I don't even think I'm going to be in on him next year. I'm definitely not in on Kate Cavalli this year. Yeah, I tend to be in agreement with you. I think the one place you can use him is if you – you know, I have a couple of leagues like this where you're so far down in ERA whip that, like, you're not going to lose or gain anything there. So you're just chasing strikeouts and wins. And in that situation, sure, you can you could throw out a guy like Kate Cavalli because if he's if he's on, the stuff is nasty. So he can rack up strikeouts in a hurry. But the chances are that if you're chasing ERA and whip at all, or you could potentially lose some points there. The, the potential for blow up, as you mentioned, with just the command is is certainly there, um, whether that's him walking a bunch of guys or him just leaving stuff over the middle of the plate to big league hitters. Either way, it could get ugly. So it's a, a use, but a use at your own peril. And depending on what you're chasing at this point, I'm I'm willing to, to I'm, I'm not willing to write him off yet. I'm, I'm 
probably going to be at least somewhat interested next year as we as we look to see how he falls in the rotation. It's good to see that they're going to give him some time up this year. Um, but yeah, he does have to get that command under control before you can really count on him start to start. And for whatever it's worth, he was in my NL only league. I I bid on him in my keeper for a dollar out of a uh, hundred, and I got him. You know, for whatever that's worth, uh, my keeper is NL only uh, ten team, and in my twelve team NL only league, uh, Towers Tristan Cockcroft had already rostered him so he wasn't available so i don't know whatever that's worth yeah and i guess in my tgfbi he went for seven dollars out of a thousand um i know pretty much everybody left in that is running out of fab budget so the the bids are not quite as high as they would have been early in the season but Again, just to give you some point of reference for what he went for in that one. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I don't think he even went in mine. Uh, oh, he did. You're, I'm sorry. Yeah, he went for ten, he went for $10. The second highest bid was 7 So, yeah, about the same as what you said in your league. Yeah, so equivalent to about a buck in, in a normal $100 fab type of league. So, that's that's the right area. I mean, he's a, he's a dollar or two flyer, and, and you see what you get out of him rest of season. Um, just depends on how how badly you need some strikeouts. Let's move over from some of the prospect call ups to some of the second half producers, and let's talk about how they're going to fall in for next season as we're looking at them. You know, Andres Jimenez. He's number four on the play rater for the season. Number nine on the play rater over the last thirty days. The 23-year-old is on pace for 2020-302. His first half was 296, 10 home runs, 7 stolen bases, 33 runs, 43 RBIs. His second half was 314, 5 home runs, 8 stolen bases, 16-17. He's been hitting 5-7 through seven in the lineup all season. Greg, please tell me Andres Jimenez is more Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor than Oscar Mercado. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Oscar Mercado, I don't think he is he even in the major leagues anymore. Oscar, Oscar <laughs> Mercado is uh, opened up a Mercado. <laughs> Oscar's Mercado is he's now Oscar's Mercado. Mercado's yeah, Mercado. It's, it's Mercado's Mercado. <laughs> it's down on Maine and it's on the corner of Maine and Maine. Uh, yeah, you know, I think. Jimenez is like, I mean, he was always a guy I liked. I liked him back when he was on the Mets. I, I, I felt like, you know, I mean, obviously you take Lindor if you're the Mets, but I always liked Jimenez. I, I felt like, you know, the Mets gave up on him a little bit early. Um, for fantasy, he's really valuable because as you see, like, it's kind of interesting if you're looking at like the 30 day player Raider, the top. 10 like you mentioned Jimenez was 10 overall on the 30-day player raider like the top 10 are all guys that are like you know they're either like really big bats who are hitting really well like an Aaron Judge for instance or a Goldschmidt or they're guys who have some speed like you'll find like Michael Harris the seconds on there um Manny Machado, who's actually a big bat as well. 
but he has been stealing. Uh, excuse me, he hasn't been stealing. Um, Mookie Betts has been stealing. I was looking at the wrong line. But anyway, yeah, I mean, you see, like, how important, like, uh, speed is to, you know, all this uh, to fantasy now. And it's like, if you're giving, like, Andres Jimenez in 30 games has given eight steals, that's huge, man. That's like I want to let me see if I sort by it. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the best, but it's actually the second best for the last thirty games. Jake McCarthy has been number one for the last thirty days um, for steals. That is. Uh, so yeah, and it's like eight steals in you know today's game in thirty days is like huge. That's like you know, I mean, he, I don't think he's capable of it. So I don't want to give people the wrong idea, but. I mean, we're talking at a 45-plus steel guy over the course of a season. So, I mean, even if he gets 25 steals, because he's not bad for everything else. Like, Andre Semenez is sneaky good when it comes to um, average. Like, he's he's a good contact guy. He's got a 20% K rate. He's got some power. Like, he might sneak into, like, 17, 18 homers this year. Uh, maybe even maybe even gets up to 20 if he has like if he has a, a hot month of September for power. I mean, 20 if he's a 2020 guy with good with a good average. I mean, he's going to he's going to be a top 50 to top 60 overall, maybe top 70. I think he could be even underrated next year. Like, I don't even know if if people truly appreciate how good he is. Uh, overall, like he is, I mean, he's really good. He's like surprisingly good. And I don't think like right now on the player Raider, he's around 50 overall. That's for the season. He's essentially been as good as Juan Soto. Obviously Juan Soto's not having a great year. Uh, brutal, brutal year for, for my NL only team. Um, but yeah, Andres Jimenez has been great and I don't think it's necessarily a fluke at all. I think this is who he is. I think he's probably, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit lower on power. So 15, but a little bit higher on speed potentially next year. And he's only 23, 15, 25, 280. That's really, I mean, that's basically Tommy Edmond who, you know, I, I know has trailed off a little bit in the second half, but Tommy Edmond's been, you know, a top 25 guy. He was a top 25 guy for a, a big ch- chunk of the season. Uh, he's, you know, recently fell down to, uh, you know, top 50 because he's been moved down to the uh, bottom of the Cardinals lineup. Sucks, and, and he sucks. <laughs> yeah, and there's that little, you know, problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know, but I like Andre Semenez a lot. Yeah, I do too, and I see it going one or two ways. Either like he gets a bunch of helium and he's going to go way too high, or it's going to be kind of like, and I don't. They're they're different players in the way that they approach the you know the they're at bat, but like kind of like an Adolis Garcia, where you're like, why aren't more people in on this guy? And he does go at that value because I mean across the board his numbers have improved this year. His exit velocity is up, his barrel rate is up, his hard hit rates up. Uh, it's like everything is trending in the right direction for Andres. Honestly, I think it's going to be the latter. I think it's going to be an Adalas Garcia situation where if anything, I think Andres Jimenez, 
I want to say uh, Tommy Edwin was uh, ADP around like uh, 80 to 100. I want to say Andres Jimenez is going to be in that range too. With good upside to be like a top 40 overall guy. So I'm going to be in. I think I think Jimenez could be a really good bargain actually next year. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see people just, you know, oversimplify it and go, oh, 354 Babbitt on a 302 average. He's not going to do that, which means everything else comes down where I don't think anything he's doing is a fluke because everything's improved. Like, he just continues to improve year to year. The K rates come down. I mean, everything you want out of out of a 23-year-old, he's done this year. Yeah, agreed. Uh, moving on to another former top prospect, or I guess Jimenez wasn't even really a, a top prospect. I mean, I guess he was. Um, but another top prospect, Nate Lowe. Uh, his second half, and really across the entire season, has been strong. Second half, though, he's hit 366 with nine home runs versus 270 and 12 home runs in the first half. He is the number eight first baseman on the player rater for the season, the number two first baseman over the last 30 days, and the number six overall player over that time. So he's one of those few non-stolen base guys that's actually up in that that top tier for the last 30 days on the player Raider. He's doing great this year. If you have him, enjoy it. Where are we putting him in though next year among the first baseman? I mean, has he earned a right to kind of fall below the, the like Matt Olson tier who was gross for a lot of the year and just kind of has made it up here in spurts. Uh, Spurts? Are we talking about Simeon? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think Nathaniel Lowe uh, is Nathaniel now. Okay, uh, beat on, please. <laughs> I don't, I don't call you B. Don't call him Nate. <laughs> you can call me B. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> All right, me, B. Uh, yeah, no, I think Nathaniel Lowe is going to be. He's going to be hard for me because, like, I think the the lack of speed is it's, it trips me up a little bit, you know, because it's like. I mean, you have to have either a clear track record like a uh, like a Matt Olson, who you mentioned, or like a Jose Abreu, or you know, like a guy who is obviously gonna get like his thirty homers and you know two seventy five plus average and good runs in RBIs, like like the you know Anthony Rizzo's and. Pete Alonzo is above all those guys. But you know what I mean. Like, the guys who are, like, so locked in that you feel like you can count on them for, like, good power numbers. And you don't have to worry about getting, you know, five-plus steals from them. I don't – like, Lowe, I don't, I don't know if he's really in that range for me. And I, 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 think, I think I might be out on low for next year. Obviously – if you have him this year, you should be really, uh, you know, grateful because he's had a great year. He's top 50 overall on the player Raider. He's been fantastic. I don't think I'm necessarily going to be in on him, though. I, I really don't like that profile from a guy who doesn't have a track record like others. Like, you can go, like, Nate Lowe, who's been better than Reese Hoskins, but Reese Hoskins has a track record of like power and RBIs and like I can count on Reese Hoskins and know I'm going to be hurting on average where Nate Lowe is giving so much uh, fantasy value from his average this year 
he's hitting 300. I mean, I don't know if I can count on that. He feels like a a 270 hitter. So it's like 270 hitter with good Babbitt. I don't know, man. I, I, I like Nate Lowe for this year, obviously. I feel like I might be out on next year, though. Yeah, no, I think I'm I'm with you in regards to kind of what you're getting from him. You know, it's not a 30-plus home run bat. He's going to be a middle-of-the-order bat who's not going to give you an average that's going to kill you. But that's that's kind of what he is. The The average is, is really ho- holding him up this second half especially. I think he probably goes. But, I mean, I think, like, I don't think anybody's reaching for Nate Lowe either. So, I think... I could still be in on him just based on where he ends up going. I think he probably goes somewhere in the, I don't know, 8 to 12 range, like him versus, like you said, Jose Abreu or Josh Bell, who's kind of the same guy with a worse park now. Um, Rizzo, who's who's power only. Um, Hoskins, who's kind of power only the same. So, like, did you take a Pete Alonzo early in your draft or an Aaron Judge? Or did you take, you know, a, I don't know, a, a Trey Turner where you maybe need to catch up on some power? Um, that may be the determining factor of, of kind of those yeah. tier, that tier of first base. Right, or if you need a corner man early or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it probably could become league dependent and team dependent. But I do think, like, if I'm looking at, like... Rizzo, Hoskins, or Lowe. I'm taking Bell out because Bell's <laughs> Bell's going to be his own issues. He's just yeah, falling yeah, out right falling now. Falling off so bad in the second half that he's going to have he's going to have his own. He'll need his own discussion <laughs> in my in my head at least. <laughs> uh, but if I'm going Lowe, Rizzo, or Hoskins, I just feel so much safer with Rizzo and Hoskins. I feel like Lowe, if he does like 24 homers. And 270. <laughs> so it's so like, uh, okay, whatever. You know, I don't know. It's, it's a hard, it will be a hard profile to get behind completely, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I think I'm with you on Hoskins. I don't know. Rizzo, the bats, the bats just continue to slow down. So I may be out on Rizzo next year. We'll see. I, I thought this year he was just going at too much of a value, but uh, you know, the pinstripes and the number of home runs may move him up mm. next year. So it, it just depends on where where they end up going. I think I would take low over Rizzo, though, just, just kind of head-to-head. How about Andrew Vaughn? I'm going to throw that one because he looks like he's going to qualify at first oh, base. I think and we know what his upside right. is. I think Vaughn – I'm I'm interested in Vaughn. Uh, uh, you know, I think, I think Vaughn could be – uh, 2023's low. Like Vaughn could have top 50 upside. I like I like Vaughn a lot. I I would like to see more power from him, and I, I but I think that's there. I think he can he can tap into more power. So yeah, I'm I, I think I'm more interested in low. I mean, excuse me, Vaughn than I am low. Yeah, I I think I'm with you just because I mean he's going to give you the dual eligibility, and I think at worst he's kind of already Nate Lowe like he's gonna give you what we expect which is like a 270 280 average right. uh, like 20 25 home runs and, and sitting in the, in the top five four or five spots of a lineup and that's pretty much what you're getting from Vaughn plus the upside yeah yeah agreed yeah so and and maybe if Lowe gets change of scenery somehow but Texas has also just lost the home run power in that park too so that sucks right uh 
Let's talk about somebody on the opposite side who's just giving you speed, and that's Jake McCarthy. The second half, he is at 337, 402, 433. He has one home run, 10 stolen bases. He's hitting five or six most days for the Diamondbacks. Jake McCarthy, is is he somebody that we are needing to pay attention to for next year? Or is this kind of, um, I don't know, that mild straw of, of, of this year? <laughs> He's like the second half John Birdie. He's the 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 on Erdie. Call call him on Erdie. Uh, I think you know what. I don't even know if his gonna if his playing time's gonna suffer now at Corbin Carroll. To be honest, I I mean I guess uh, Alec Thompson goes to the bench, and um, I mean McCarthy's probably guaranteed playing time. But I don't know. I mean. Alec Thomas, if he's going to play, and Stone Garrett, if they're going to play, they got to play somewhere. And I'm assuming Corbin Carroll's not going to be platooned. So McCarthy might be, I mean, he might be on the outside looking in of everyday playing time. Or he might have, you know, a a strong side of a platoon, but still a platoon. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think Jake McCarthy's kind of like, I mean, he really, he feels kind of like, like you said, Miles Straw, or I said John Birdie, or like he's just like one of those guys who just happened to steal eight bags in the last 30 days, which is great because <laughs> it's like there's so, I mean, steals are so rare now that like a guy who steals eight bags in 30 days, it's like pops up on your radar. But I don't know if he's real, like, I mean, he does have good speed. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, like speed isn't fluky. It is. I mean, it is. It's not fluky in that he's fast, but it, it can be fluky in that, like, he stole so many bags in such a short amount of time. Like, you know, like I said with John Birdie, it's like John Birdie's fast, but it was fluky that he stole like twenty bases in like three weeks or whatever crazy thing he did. Like that. Like that. Like opportunities come in like you know, like, uh, clusters. So, I mean, Jake McCarthy was great for the last month. I don't know if he's going to be good again for the final month. So I don't know. Yeah. And part of the issue is they, they platooned him all season. And then like, he's kind of gotten the run here in August and he has done well with it. Um, but if he's just going to be a platoon bat, then there's only, there's, that's definitely going to limit the upside that you could potentially get from. I think he would be just fine as a platoon bat, um, but you know, there's only certain leagues where that's going to matter. The speed, the speed's great. So, I mean, if you're chasing, I mean, again, eight stolen bases and 23 games here in August, that's phenomenal to see. Um, but I, I do think he's just kind of fallen into some luck here. Nothing really across the board looks different in his, um, you know, his profile from like, April, May to now in regards to when he was hitting like 260 versus what he's doing right now. Um, It does look better than what he did last year. So maybe there's a little bit of improvement happening year over year at least. Um, But I I just don't think he's a a 290, 300 hitter with speed. Uh, I think he's probably closer to that 250, 260 guy that we saw at the start of the year. Yeah, agreed. All right. One pitcher here, Zach Gallen. I mean, we had to talk about him. He's been the number two starting pitcher over the last 30 days, the number two pitcher in the second half. He's ditched the slider in favor of more curves and cutters. 
His second half ERA is 0.80. He has a 0.73 whip, a 30% K rate, a 6% walk rate. Are we looking at the transition to Zach Gallon becoming an elite starting pitcher for us next year? Uh, you know, looking at the uh, starters on the player radar, I'm struck by how many guys I liked a lot and how good my pitching is <laughs> across so many. <laughs> and, and I didn't like Zach Gallon. So it shows you, like, how many pitchers there are. It's like there are so many pitchers. There's, like, so – it's, like, flooded with guys who you could have gotten. Like, I don't know how – like, honestly, I say this, like, once a day. <laughs> it just depends on whether or not I'm in front of a microphone. <laughs> I don't know how you can justify taking a starter high when you look at the starters on the player raider at the end of the year and you're like, none of these guys were drafted high. <laughs> They're not. Like, all of them were available. Like, Corbin Burns was drafted high. He's the eighth pitcher out of the starters. I believe... I want to say Aaron Nola was available to people. I feel like I was saying draft Aaron Nola. So, but I mean, let's just say he was high, uh, drafted high. Uh, Otani was drafted high because of his bat and Garrett Cole and Scherzer. So that's one, two, three, four, five, five out of 20 starters. That's I'm talking about the top 20 starters. Five, oh, Julio Urias, too. So six. I mean, six guys out of the top 20. That means there's 14 pitchers in the top 20. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm stretching with a little, you know, like Sandy Alcantara is in, in that, uh, in there. Uh, Sandy Alcantara was drafted in the, I, I want to say he was like drafted like 15th overall out of, out of starters. So he was available for people. I'm only taking away like the literally the top two, two and a half rounds, like after the top two and a half rounds in a 15 team league too. So in a 12 team league, I mean, you know, some of these guys were really available. And in a 10 team league, you could have had, honestly, in a 10 team league, you could have had any, you could have such a good staff and not draft a starter. <laughs> There's just so many guys that are available. Like, Shane McClanahan, I wrote a sleeper post on. Tony Gosling, I was telling everyone to draft like around like 250 overall. Dylan Cease, I wrote a sleeper post on. Uh, Carlos Rodon was available for everyone because people were worried about his injury. Alec Manoa was drafted by me, by everyone who, anyone who wanted Alec Manoa, he was available. Kyle Ray was available. Max Fried was available. I mean, there's so many guys that are available. That was just – I just went up to, like, the top 12. <laughs> I mean, there's so many guys. It's so crazy. Zach Galen – anyway, back to uh, Zach Galen. <laughs> he has been good. I mean, he has been great. But there's been so many guys that have been great. Like, you really didn't need Galen, but if you had him – I don't – I mean, this is a very – this is like our uh, this is our podcast for just Arizona. Hey, what's up, Arizona? <laughs> We're doing Corbin Carroll, <laughs> Jake McCarthy, and Zach Galen. Uh, later, we'll talk about Stone Garrett. What's going on? Hey, I love you, ASU. Uh, yeah, I mean Zach Galen's numbers look good. I mean, not great. He's got like a under just a barely under nine K per nine and a, a two point five uh, walk rate. His XFIP is 351. It's okay. I mean, I honestly, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be in on him next year, 
his numbers don't really jump off the page as him being able to be better. I mean, he, he seems okay. He seems kind of like, you know, uh, maybe where Max Fried was going this year as like the 22nd ish. Uh, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but say the 22nd ish uh, starter off the board, I believe is where I ranked him uh, in the preseason. I, I'm, I, I'm guessing here. I, I believe he was around there. Zach Galen might be around that range for me again uh, for next year, uh, like top 25 starter. I could see that top 15 or top 10. No way. I mean, I, these numbers are not jumping off the page to make him in any way a top 15 starter for me, but maybe top 25. Okay. Let me throw a few names at you. Uh, Gallen or Joe Musgrove? Uh, I think I got to go Musgrove still, even though he's uh, he falls off in the second half. I think, you know, because Musgrove is so good in the first half, I think he kind of makes up for it. <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to go with Gallen, but I, I just, like, the Musgrove thing has always kind of bothered me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, they're close. <laughs> they probably are pretty close. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Joe Musgrove, to me, is like, I mean, he's so good in the first half. And in a shallower league, I guess it depends on the league. Because in a shallower league, you can move on when a guy like Musgrove starts going south. Or you could trade him before if you have, uh, you know, like guys in your league who are suckers. <laughs> if you've got some <laughs> suckers in your league, you know. But, I mean, if we're looking at just like XFIP. Or FIP, uh, you know, just Joe Musgrove's They're, I mean, they're really close, actually. Like, I'm looking at Musgrove's numbers now. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, they're really similar. He's got better command. He's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, now that I, I'm, I'm sort of looking at his numbers, maybe Gallon a little bit over him. But real close, like, I think Musgrove is probably going to be in the the 25 to 28 starter range next year for me. Um, and Gallon probably in that same area. So, yeah, I don't know. Close, though. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair enough. We can we can move on until we get kind of kind of ranks for the next season. It sounds like I'm a little bit higher maybe on Gallon and kind of buying into some of these, these pitch mix changes a little bit more than you are. Yeah, I mean, I think Gallon's like uh, his – Upside is Julio Urias, who I don't really like, but it does do well. Uh, I just, you know, I don't trust, I don't usually trust like the under nine K per nine. Uh, it's a little, it gets iffy for me when it, it's under nine. It doesn't feel like a number, like a, str a strong enough number two, which is a number two is around like tw the 25th starter off the board is essentially like a number two um you know a high a high high number three if you really if you've kind of punted hitting but yeah i i, I mean i like gallon i just don't love him i don't love this i don't love the numbers as much i don't know yeah he's fine yeah i am buying into like i said a little bit of the bump in k rate 30 percent k rate over the second half i mean that's that's more than enough to be serviceable as as like i say i think top 15 to 18 probably is where i'm gonna 
end on Gallon, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, when we're talking about uh, Urias, I mean, he is the number one starting pitcher in the second half. Oh, so, Urias has been great. You know, he's been great. Yeah, no, Urias has been great. I don't trust him. <laughs> I would, I'm still going to be out on Urias. I'll be out. I'll tell you yeah. right now, I'm going to be out on him next year. People are going to draft him yeah. way before I will. Uh, that's fine, though. Like I said, you know, 10 minutes ago, there's so many starters. I can be out on guys who are good. Like, I can be out on Justin Verlander, who's the number one starter on the year, because, like, Shane McClanahan, I wrote a sleeper on. And I was I was in on McClanahan everywhere. Like, I'm in, like, I have such good pitching, like, in my in most of my leagues in like 95% of my leagues I have great pitching and I don't draft pitchers high like in my in my labor league um my uh it's a 12 team mixed league I have Dylan Cease, Jordan Montgomery, Miles Mikolos, Dustin May, Chris Bassett, Robbie Ray, Patrick Sandoval, Clay Holmes, uh Ryan Helsley and Daniel Bard None of those guys were drafted high by me. I did not draft any of them. Like, that is – that's – Robbie Ray was my ace, and Robbie Ray, I think, is at, like, a 3-6 ERA. And that in that league, I'm easily the best pitching. Like, it's not even close, really. Like, my pitching is at – let's see. I have a 12 out of 12 teams, and my pitching – my ERA is 3.16. The next nearest is 3.4. So it's like not even close. Like I am so far and away the best pitching team. And you heard the team. I mean, they're fine. I mean, they've all been good. Dylan Cease has been amazing. But, I mean, you know, Miles Mikolos and Jordan Montgomery have had issues here and there. They've also been good at other times. I mean, you don't need – you don't need ace, quote-unquote, like crazy, like Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole. You don't need that. No, you don't. I mean, they're nice to have, don't get me wrong, but at their cost, you don't need them um, because of all the, the pitchers that we've talked about and that have broken out mm-hmm. uh, and become, you know, top 25 guys for next year, like Zach Gallen, who, you know, has just steadily improved. And like I said, I, I think the pitch mix change is di- is kind of the difference between him and uh, Reyes, um, but... Like like you said, I'm also not necessarily an Arias fan because I chase K's and he's not a high K guy. So uh, if you know if, if the innings and, and workload is what you like out of your top pitcher, that's fine. I, I just don't spend my money or draft pick there. Let's get to one more player from the second half before we get into bullpen and waivers real quick, Gray, and that is Jorge Mateo. In the second half, he is at 287, 322, 513. He has five home runs, six stolen bases. The K rate is down 8%. He's hitting the ball with more authority, specifically his off-speed pitches that he's seen. Um, so his average exit v- velocity versus off-speed in April was 63.5. May, 78. June, 80. July, 84. August, 86. If you can't tell by the numbers from 63 to 86, that's a hell of a lot better against off-speed pitches all of a sudden, Gray. Is this a real change for Jorge Mateo, or is this another kind of fake Miles Straw situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, Mateo is actually really interesting because the speed is real, 
And I mean, really good. Uh, like he's got, you know, he got caught stealing a bunch this year, but the Oreos don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, they're just gonna yeah, run them out. They'll yeah. run them. Uh, I I wish he were a little bit younger. Like he he probably, I mean, he might have been hurt a little bit by the pandemic year. Uh, twenty twenty kind of messed him up a little bit, I guess. Uh, it would be nice if he had. You know, uh, another like if he were like 25 instead of 27. So that but I, he's still young enough where I think he I think he's really going to be good. I, I I really like him a lot. I think he's got, you know, he's got like sneaky power, good speed. Uh, his average is not is not it's not going to be great. But he also I don't think because of his speed, I don't think he's going to totally kill you. Like I think he has upside. Like he's hitting two thirty right now. I think he's probably got two fifty upside. Yeah, I'm a fan. I think I think there could be really good. I, I think next year could be really interesting. I think everything uh, is pointing in the right direction. I I think he could actually be undervalued too uh, potentially. I I don't see him going before like one twenty at the most overall. Um, Maybe even like 150. People get like people really discount average a lot. Like uh, you know, like someone sees like a 230 average, and they'll uh, you know they'll discount it to the point where he gets he's like going at like 150, 160 overall, and it's like it's a bargain for real. So yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, in just an example of how much average can kind of sway and. And the value of average, I guess, which is is very much circumstantial and just depends on the the player. But like Cody Bellinger, who has been awful in average all year. I mean, he's hitting two oh seven. It's all, he's been terrible in that that category. He's still a, a top ninety bat, um, right? And so even if the average falls out, as long as they're hitting for power and stealing, like the the bat itself can or the player itself can still be worth it. And so I think the speed's legitimate. The, the Orioles are going to give him the green light, apparently, even though he has been caught, as you mentioned, eight times out of 36 attempts. With, uh, um, with, uh, speaking of Bellinger, something I, uh, I'm looking at right now on the player radar, he's just above Ty France. And I don't think a lot of people would, would know that Ty France is below Cody Bellinger on the player radar. Like, that shows you how much a difference, like, average doesn't really, like, move the needle as much as you might think. Like, it's good. But you need runs, you need RBIs, you need homers, you need steals, you need other things other than average. So, and uh, Jorge Mateo is like a top sixty-ish uh, bat on the year. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, any in speed will make up for a lot, yeah. a lot of things real quick, and uh, in, the, in the way that we're play, we're playing the game right now. Uh, so yeah, you've got to have speed and it, it could be a, a cheap source. Like I said, he's been hitting over 280 for the second half. So I don't think he's a, a plus 280 hitter, but even if he just becomes a 260 hitter, there's definitely value there. And a guy, I think kind of going under the radar as well. Yeah, and also um, you look at like, uh, I mean, By- Byron Buxton's out now with an injury. So he's going to be, he's going to be falling in the player radar because of he's going to be missing time. But Jorge Mateo was nearly as good as Buxton on the year as of, like, you know, today, uh, Monday. And he will pass him, uh, assuming he doesn't get injured as well. So Mateo is going to be above Buxton. 
There's no no one in the no one's drafting Mateo above Buxton next year. <laughs> yeah. So just a name to kind of jot down and and keep in the back of your mind for next year. I do think there's there's you know a reasonable chance and like the similarities are there. Kind of an older guy that's that's made an adjustment in in Dallas Garcia. I don't think he's going to put up the you know a twenty one twenty one season necessarily like we're getting from from Adalis, but he could steal more bases. I mean, he's already stolen 28, so he could definitely steal more bases. I just don't think he necessarily has the pop that Adalis does um, as we kind of move forward to next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. All right, Gray, we're starting to run a little bit long, but let's let's talk through some bullpen guys as people are chasing saves here at the end. Uh, yeah, so uh, Nick Martinez, uh, Josh, by the way, Josh Hader looks really good in San Diego, huh? <laughs> what a great really trade. Interesting. Really good pickup. Um, I would say probably the best trade, <laughs> but unfortunately it's by the brewers not the padres uh well unless you're a brewers fan then you know good for the brewers uh to get rid of uh, a hater god he's awful i feel like we actually i was thinking of putting hater in the outline maybe next week if hater's still doing bad we could talk about him for next year uh anyway martina yeah nick martinez has gotten the last two saves as of today I Luis Garcia could get the next save. I don't I don't necessarily think it's like Martinez's job to lose. I don't know if it's Garcia's job. I don't I think there if anything it's committee. Um Araldis, he went on the IL uh because he got a uh, a tattoo. <laughs> he got a uh, I love you mommy tattoo. <laughs> no, I don't know what tattoo it is. Probably probably a tattoo that says I hate <laughs> I hate being good. I don't know. Uh, Araldis' tattoo has got infected, though, and he's on the IL. But I I honestly, before even Araldis got uh, injured or whatever, I don't even know if you can call that an injury, before he got <laughs> IL'd, um, I don't think the Yankees wanted him to close anyway. Like, they weren't using him. They were going everywhere but him. They were like, Wandy Peralta's our closer. Like, what? what? I, it's so weird that, like, I mean, maybe, it, actually, it might not be weird. Araldis, they just didn't trust Araldis. And I guess for good reason, because he wasn't great, uh, you know, even back in April. So, April, May. And Holmes has been really good outside of a stretch before the IL where he lost command a little bit. So hopefully Holmes comes back. I think the Yankees want Clay Holmes to be their closer. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think Wandy Peralta or Lasagna, um, Lasagna, Johnny, Johnny <laughs> Lasagna. Uh, I don't think uh, they uh, the Yankees want those guys. So I think they do want Clay Holmes. Um, you know, and then in uh, in Anaheim, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Hargit, Hargay, I don't even know. Jose, Jose <laughs> Quijada. Uh, I had Ryan Tapora, uh, Ryan Tapora, <laughs> who is uh, a nice uh, compliment to my, uh, my meal at Benihana. I had Ryan Tapora. Uh, for a little while, but then he wasn't back, so he didn't go to Toronto. And I don't know, honestly, I don't know who's the closer for the Angels. It might be Tapora again. It might be Quayada. It might be someone else whose name I can't pronounce. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and then in Oakland, 
Um, Danny Jimenez got injured. Uh, I think it's shoulder injury. He's out for the year. Uh, I think it's probably uh, AJ Puck or Zach Jackson are probably uh, will share uh, the closer role. At, uh, you know, and they also might go to someone who we don't know because the A's don't they don't want to pay anyone in arbitration, so they might just go to some random guys to get saves too. Yeah, who knows with the A's? That one's just a chasing, chasing every save down that you can situation. If you're going after the A's, it's been that way all season, pretty much. Um, how about some waiver guys, and then we'll get out of here, Greg. Uh, yeah, who uh, I think someone who we mentioned uh, briefly, Josh Jung. Well, I don't know if he gets called up. He might actually be called up by the time people listen to this. He should be. I don't know if he does. Uh, you know, so I guess uh, check out, you know, if he gets called up, he's definitely someone who I would grab. I mean, he's got good power. He should hit for a decent average. Um, he's got no speed. So, you know, long term, he's not as good. As I mentioned earlier, he's not as good as Corbin Carroll, but he is good. Josh Young is someone I'm interested in. And plus, I don't honestly know what the Rangers are doing. Like, people seem to think <laughs> Chris Young has a grasp on things, but I don't know, man. His head is in the clouds. Ha! Because he's tall. Okay, anyway, uh, Gunnar Henderson uh, maybe gets called up. I don't think he does, but maybe if, you know, if you're taking a flyer on a guy, again, by the time you listen to this, he might have been called up. He's definitely someone I would grab in every league just in case he is called up. And if he's called up by the time you're listening to this, then he should be rostered. Um, let's see. TJ Friedel has been solid on the uh, the Reds. Uh, he's been hot. He's more of a hot potato, though. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyone else? Who? who what pitchers you got uh, beat on? Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, Glenn Otto, Jordan Lyles, Drew Smiley's actually been good. Um, Jake Odorizzi, as you mentioned before, he's just perfectly fine as a streamer at this point. Uh, Jose Suarez has been good. I think I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, and he's just continued to uh, perform. Uh, Domingo Herman has a spot right now, so he's he's another guy that I'm looking at. Um, and on Josh Jung and Gunnar Henderson, if you need a little bit more information on them, we did talk about them at a little bit more length last week in the podcast, so you can always tune back in and listen to some of our September call-up uh, potential talk that we uh, ha- we had last week. Oh yeah, also uh, Dean Kramer, um, the Baltimore Orioles pitcher who's also a Jew. Ah la na ni na 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 ni na. That's our. our <laughs> I, I, I was dancing the horror. What's the problem? Honestly, All right. what, what you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, we we've just gone off the rails. I'm just gonna call it here. Um, as always, specific questions as we get down to September. Your last runs or your playoff lineups. Hit us with specific questions in the comments, whether that's on Razball or YouTube, or you can come find us on Twitter. I am, of course, at Razbedon, and Gray is the at Razball account owner. YouTube.com slash Razball Fantasy. You can subscribe to the podcast and watch us there if you'd rather watch than just and, and listen to us at the same time, or just mute us and watch us do random stuff. Oh that's probably God, pretty entertaining as well. What if you, wa- you watch... And then you listen to us on like a 15 second delay. So you're watching it, <laughs> but then the lips are moving 
and our our the sounds off and you're it like it freaks you out watch it like that like, <laughs> like watching a, a k-drama yeah, yeah exactly. watching like exactly <laughs> like an interview with a k-pop star like yeah you're like whoa what's going on their lips are moving but the voice is later They'll love that in Korea, where we're the number one fantasy baseball we are, podcast. We are right? number one in South Korea. We're, not, <laughs> we're only number three in North Korea. You know, what What can you do? <laughs> hey, South Koreans, you know, leading the podcast. It, it would only be appropriate for us not to be number one in North Korea. But yes, there we go, Gray. Uh, until next time, good luck in your matchups. Good luck as we come down to the end of it, as you chase down those final categories and points. Late. Whether you seek adventure, search for answers, break down barriers, or see the world for what it can be, you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers.